podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Team Talk Show. Uh, hiya, hi, I'm John Gibbons. I'm in for Josh Sexton, who's uh, sat off in his undies with, with celebrations in Wilmslow at the moment. Um, so I'm hosting this show today. It's normally on Tour Player, uh, which is our subscription service, £5 a month this week because it's Christmas and because we're nice, we're giving it away for nothing. So if you don't subscribe to Tour Player, this will be a little introduction for you into terms of what we do. So before every game, we preview it from a Liverpool point of view. So we watch the press comments, which is what we've just done. We've just watched you. Klopp's uh, press conference there and then we, we talk about that but we also look ahead to the game from a Liverpool point of view but then also speak to a fan um, this time we're actually doing two games at once because there's two games almost back to back two within three days Burnley and Leicester so we're going to be talking about both of them so you'll get two team talks for the price of one if you're like well the price of none because you're not paying so it's you'll get it you'll see what we do for, for the home teams and for, for, sorry for when Liverpool play at home and then also for when Liverpool play away so bumper team talk special and to join me to get through all that i've got gareth roberts i've got ian ryan i've got moose stewart so boys merry christmas merry christmas to you, Thank well. you merry christmas. um the i mean are you are you looking at the this is two games gareth first of all or are you a bit old-fashioned and you're in your one game at a time definitely one game at a time mate um looking forward to to going to anfield uh, i think you know any games over over kimber were always good ones special ones everyone's in a good mood and it's it's nice to see your mates around around the match and have a little bevy and all that sort of stuff i mean and i know that goes on anyway but there's, there's just a, a nicer feel to christmas fixtures so um welcome that it's a welcome thing for me that it's a it's a home fixture and that you know it's one we should win as well uh keep up this momentum from recently uh, the burnley one is a little bit more worrying so i'm trying to push that away from uh from the back of my mind at the moment and concentrate on leicester i think we'll win leicester i, I think burnley's obviously going to be a little bit tougher they're a good side they're good at home they've caused us problems in the past uh and i think dice obviously deserves every credit for what he's done there as well with with limited resources and you know they they were upsetting uh, Man United the other day, as were Leicester. To be fair, so um, you know probably shouldn't take either either game as a given, but I kind of think we're good at home and and we'll be good again against Leicester. Burnley though. Uh, I think that one's going to be tough. Be interesting to see what side he puts out for that one as well. We'll be interested. We'll come on to, to Bailey in the kind of second half. But it's, I mean, just to kind of intro it all, really, Mo. It's, it's two very similar teams. The seventh and eighth in the table. Uh, both of them plenty of energy. Got got forward players who who will be in your face and make it make it difficult for you. But form similar as well. Neither of them have won in the last three. Um, both of them drawn against Man United two all in the last yeah. three games as well. So they're a team who are look. They're, they're obviously both beatable, but also they're a team. If you if you drop your level, they can certainly hurt you. Very much so. There are those kind of tricky in between teams where, at their best, they can be very dangerous. But if you catch them on the right day, you can probably do a steamroll job. I don't expect like I'm like Gareth. I don't expect to do any steamrollers up at Turf Moor. But I'm confident if we go into the game with the same belief that we've had shown in recent weeks, we should be able to do Leicester. I'm slightly different in as much as I do kind of see them as a two-game block. Okay. Only in as much as team selection. Like, I'd be very surprised if the result of Leicester influences the team sheet at Burnley. Unless there's something happens in the game in terms of injuries or suspensions. Other than that, I'm thinking Jürgen's thinking of it as a two-game block. Okay, um... 
the, the nice thing he's got, Ian, is that Swansea was a was literally a walk in the park at times. He was able to bring um, free attacking players off. Um, it was it's it's a nice little gap between the games as uh, as well. You know, I mean, Arsenal. I Arsenal only played last night, didn't they? And and so so Liverpool were in a situation where it is two games in three days, but we're in a nice position going into them in terms of what happened at Swansea in terms of no new injury. I mean, the Henderson one, of course, but but generally speaking, the the, the squad's in good shape. Yeah, the squad looks looks fairly healthy, Gibbo. I think you're right in terms of this Christmas and games being spaced out. It's been it's been pretty good up until now. This yeah. is when it it obviously gets a little bit a little bit tight in terms of having those two fixtures right next to each other. To each other, you know, it kind of reminds you of last year when we had City and then we had to go and play Sunderland kind of less than 48 hours later. It's a similar scenario this time. So I tend to agree with Mo in terms of, from a manager's perspective, um, you're going to be thinking about these two games in a block of thing. And I think he will probably come on to the team in a, in a bit more detail later. But you're right in what you say. The, the squad looks pretty rosy. He gets to be able to make three changes the other night against Swansea so he takes off Robertson probably protecting him a little bit because he's played a lot of football recently at left back and then then obviously you know, kind of you know his first kind of real games of the season uh, apart from that one home game against Palace uh, and he obviously can take off Firmino and Salah as well uh, with an eye on Leicester so you'd imagine he's he's in my head, I'm thinking he's, he probably makes a couple of changes for this game, maybe three, four tops, and then he probably makes wholesale changes against Burnley, is my thought, you know, regardless of the result. OK, uh, we'll talk, go on to talk about the press conference now. We've just watched it. Um, the, the very first question, which um, I do want to talk about because I just had a bit of a chat with Gareth there, and he said, well, where else are, are we kind of going to, really, with with, with the situation at the moment, with, with games sticking fast? So it's it's nice to kind of talk about um, an article um, that Rian Brewster did. He did it with Daniel Taylor who at The Guardian, who, to be fair, does does a really good job on, on stuff like this. And um, it was it was quite a shocking thing to, to kind of read, for me personally, to, to read not just that the racism still goes on because we we you know we've heard the stories but 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 just how much it, it kind of it is prevalent here. I think he said seven times in the last year he's received racial abuse and this is a under eighteens, under nineteens level. These 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 are these are kind of kids who who are you know partaking in the, in this kind of thing on, on the on on the pitch and it's and it's upsetting but it's also you know, I'm quite proud of him as as a lad and, and as as because uh, he is just a lad uh, to be to be brave to come out and to kind of challenge organisations like UEFA. So, I mean, I'll just open it up to the table really and, and get your thoughts on on first of all the article and, and secondly, kind of Klopp's I thought very reasoned response. Oh, I'll go for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest, the article itself is brilliant. I really, I think. Daniel Taylor, obviously, he's just come off the back of the whole Eni Luko case. So yeah. he's very keen in terms of allowing someone the space to tell their own story, not trying to get too involved in it himself. And I think your what your reaction to actually reading the detail is exactly why we needed that article. Because a lot of the time, especially for fans who aren't really experiencing it on a regular basis, when you hear about things that have happened and then you see the slap on the wrist fine, it's very easy for you to just kind of diminish it because you think, oh, well, that's happened and that's happened and that nothing really happens and we kind of go on with it. But when you see exactly what they're saying, when they're saying it, and the thing... A lot of the, the, the two incidents with the Spanish players in particular, where they see it as a tactic, as a valid tactic to try and put someone off their yeah. game. And they're, they're, they're not able to dissociate that 
as a something that you want to do to win a football match from these are two uh, human beings standing here we shouldn't be able to, we shouldn't be saying these kind of things I think, uh, to be fair to Jürgen, he was a little bit thrown off that that was the first question. I think he got that impression. But he was very keen to show that the whole club is behind me and Bruce. And I believe they are. I think when the latest incident happened, I think, again, Steve Gerrard was caught a little bit off guard. When he made his comments after the game regarding, uh, we don't, I don't want to talk about that. I just want to talk about what Rian did on the pitch. I can see why he did that. I'm not necessarily sure that was the right thing to do. I think that was potentially the time to say, we've had enough of this. UEFA, you need to absolutely do something. Because Steven Gerrard has got a lot more weight and authority around UEFA than Rian Brewster has. So if we really want to go hard and actually shine the light and say, look, you have to do something, then I think Gerrard's going to be a massive ally. But I'm, I'm pleased the club are doing something. I'm pleased the club are standing behind him. And let's hope we really it just really goes somewhere. What, what worries me about it is, and the article is really hard-hitting, and, and it's almost it's sad almost that it's taken a 17-year-old lad to put it in the national spotlight again. But what worries me about it is when reading it is that almost that it's going on loads, basically. It's going on loads, and lots of lads out there are probably just ignoring it and just saying, this is, this is what happens. Yeah. Yeah, this, is just, this is just part of life. And, and, and it's not worth me going to UEFA. It's not worth me going to my club, because nothing's really going to happen. I mean, you know, Rian himself in, in that article says... You know, he he's walking down the tunnel, swearing, saying, you know, what's the what's the fucking point in this? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah, the authorities yeah. aren't going to do anything. And he talks about how, you know, the, the one of the punishments was, oh well, you can't use these five hundred seats, but it's absolutely pointless. It's like saying he says himself, it's like saying you can't use five hundred seats at Prenton Park for a under twenty ones or under twenty threes game when it's not going to be full anyway. It's not a punishment. It's yeah. it's it's just taking a box. So that's what worries me. I think in in general in life as well people people's sources will say oh well that's the way it is and, and, and decide not to fight against it and decide not to stick their head above the parapet really so fair play to him as a teenager for doing this because it, it would have been really easy for him to just go ah fuck it yeah. um but you know he's showing some balls here to to stick his head above above the parapet to go out there say what he's said go and do an interview with the national newspaper and it's interesting as well like you know you, you can it, it, it's it's well written it's not by a journalist I like that's irrelevant but um, you know he does go into the detail almost of why he's doing it and how he's spoken to the club and he's spoken to his mum and dad and he's they've all sort of said if you want to do it do it and he's done it I'm absolute fair play to him because you know there might be a knobhead out there who'll use this against him and, and that must have crossed his mind as well so it shows something about the fella to to go out there and do this, and and hopefully it will be taken seriously, and and hopefully more people just do it. I mean, I kind of like the idea of you know you've seen players in the past where they just go oh fuck this then I'm not playing and walk off the pitch, and it's like oh hang on well, what's this fella doing? And it does seem like you know you mentioned Gerard there. I don't I don't think Gerard's alone. There's a lot of people out there who just go shit. I don't really know what to do about this. I don't know what to say about it. It's easier for me to say nothing or deflect. And and you're right, you're right, Mo, to say that. You know, at some point, everyone has got to go. Nah, we've had enough of this. And the more people that do that towards the authorities, towards UEFA, the more UEFA will be forced into action that actually means something, rather than saying stick a banner in this these empty seats and that'll do for now. Mm. I think on that as well, on the general point, and I take I take most points on that. But I think emotions are running high after the game as well. So it's it's quite easy to kind of say, well, maybe you could have said something after the game, but often. Will criticise managers for saying too much after a game as well. So I think 
to take stock sometimes is not mm. a bad idea as well and to come away and obviously kind of have a more cons- a considered response than, than kind of heated a moment stuff but no one would have blamed him if, if he'd reacted in a in a really kind of emotional and aggressive way I suppose I think in terms of Rian himself and I think the article says you know he's, he's absolutely showed courage beyond his years in terms of raising this because the easy thing to do is just to it's just to kind of kind of water the duck's back and, and let it kind of go on but no absolutely no it's unacceptable behaviour and it's actually quite frightening to see how many instances are actually occurring because I would I would imagine a lot of people until this article comes out don't quite know just what Young I'd have said it would have happened to a player once in his yeah, career. And, I, would, and, I would have guessed absolutely. once in his career. And quite clearly from the article, that's absolutely not the case. And Robbo's mm. absolutely right in terms of a punishment. Closing a section of a ground down. I mean, UEFA want us to take them seriously. You know, we, they've got a World Cup coming up in, mm. in Russia. Um, and you do start to worry about things like this. And I absolutely, you know, echo what the boys have said. Um, fair play to Ian Brewster for being brave and bold enough to come out and, and kind of do this article. And, and fair play to the manager as well in terms of the offering of support as well because you know it's nice to know that he's not standing alone and making yeah. this fight by himself mm-hmm. it's a it's an absolutely a club thing and they're right behind them which is great to see it's interesting to see where that article's gone as well in the last couple of days since it's come out if you know what I mean so like this morning I've seen like Storms he's yeah. retweeted it and he's mm-hmm. talking about it and you know he's got millions of followers and he's you know and he's in a different sphere of society if you like so it, even that you know that's fantastic as well because the there will, you know, there are people out there who aren't into footy. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. There are people, the people who th- this will have passed them by, and the fact that it's almost, you know, it's getting on the agenda nationally outside of the football bubble. That's a positive as well because you know this, this is how you break down barriers. This is how you change. We're not trying behavior. to change Guardian readers, are we? Let's face it. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know, like Stormzy talking about it and saying, "Listen, you need to have a read of this," and also directly tweeting, you know. A seventeen-year-old lad who plays footy, you know, storms. You may well be one of his heroes. You know that that's fantastic as well. Okay, um, moving on from from there, uh, we could we could do a whole show on it, and maybe we will do a, a one point, but um, it's a sort of wider, much much wider issue and bigger issue than we can kind of get into today, really. But to go on to the press conference, he was asked some weird stuff on Coutinho, <laughs> Robbo. It was like, you know. Crowbarred in there, like yeah, <laughs> he was. Yeah, yeah. He was asked one, wasn't he? It was at length about sort of you know, oh, well, Coutinho had the armband the other weekend, so you know, if Hendo's not playing, will he get it again? And didn't he do really well when he had it on? And he looked happy, and he looked like he performed the captain's role. And then it was like there was a pause, and it was sort of like, well, what, what's the question? <laughs> uh, it, do, it does feel right now that the sort of the journalists in there are being told by the desks repeatedly to you know crowbar Coutinho in there, and they know that Klopp doesn't like it, and they know that he's getting a cob on answering questions about it, and it seems like they're trying to come up with more creative ways to ask ask the question because it's all it's all like, oh, he's really good as the captain, but you know the remain doubts about his future, don't they? You know what I mean? And, and he's he's not going to say anything, you know, whether Barcelona have slapped two hundred million on the sly on the fax machine whatever he's not going to suddenly open up in a press conference preview in Leicester you know oh, oh well uh, yeah we're going to sell him now actually yeah um, now that you've mentioned that and the captain thing was quite funny I thought as well because you know they tried to get into why why he'd been given the armband then he just sort of said it is what I said the other weekend that I looked who had the most appearances for Liverpool and went oh it's Phil sound he can have the armband but it was funny well or good that he differentiated between a fella who's running around on the pitch with the armband on because you know Enrique's done that, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, 
to a fella who was actually almost appointed club captain and vice captain, which is obviously Henderson and Milner. And he was talking about, you know, their roles off the pitch in the changing rooms in terms of what they're asked to do. That's what that's the captain. But the fella who's just running around with the armband often it, it it can be as arbitrary, obviously with Klopp as just the fact that he's made the most appearances. I mean, there is a big difference, and Klopp mentioned it, in, you know, how we see the captain's role in this country to other countries. That That's quite clear. There's too many people have said it now for that not to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at big clubs as well, Gareth, and I think, uh, I noticed that, that captains was one of the questions on wildcards. Yeah. Did, did it win, do you know? So I think, we're gonna it, do I think it. it's win. So, we're, so we're, we're going to do We're going to get into that in wildcards, which is another show on tour play. So if you do subscribe, you can you can listen to this, get it. But I think you like to talk about the uh, the England thing, but also I think the size of the club. And I think when we, me and you went out to Hong Kong, didn't we, in the summer to, to the LFC tour, and we actually interviewed Henderson there. But even before that, you can just see there how much more's on the club captain. Yeah, definitely. In, 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 in places like when, when they go out on tour and... I just can't imagine Phil being up for all of that that, that no. goes around. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't like interviews, does he? He yeah. does them under duress, and you know, you saw obviously Chamberlain the other week sort of stepping in and helping him out in that situation. And yeah, I think I can't remember who we spoke to. We spoke to someone in Hong Kong at some point, and they were talking about you know Henderson's schedule as the captain, and it was absolutely mad. It was yeah. like you know he was, he was doing a little bit of training here and there, and then it was like <laughs> the rest of his day. It was like all kinds of you know going to this place, that place, meeting people, shaking hands, posing for pictures. Signing autographs, meeting fans, opening things, all kind, and it, it was mad. It looked, you know, it looked, it looked heavy. Like, I mean, we, we sort of we talk about how, how easy it must be to be a footballer, and you know, they just go and trade, and then they knock off, and then all day sit down playing PS4 or whatever. <laughs> but you know, the reality was that that looked like hard graft what he was having to do there um, as the as the Liverpool captain. And yeah, when you're a big club, and especially when you're going to somewhere with you know support, desperate to see the players. The captain, there's a huge responsibility on the captain, and yeah, Phil, Phil definitely wouldn't fancy that. No, <laughs> it's, it's interesting though because um, Jurgen was so keen to stress the difference, and the question was based on how much of a miss is Henderson going to be. Yeah. Now in the dressing room and around the club, he's not going to be a miss at all. He's going to be there. He's still so be it's there, only yeah. really on the pitch where he can make potentially make an argument for that. But I think in terms of what we're trying to see from him, the captain on the pitch. That's the kind of things that we should be asking of more than just him. So even if he's not there, there should be other people to pick up those that particular kind of slack. I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, Klopp had to remind the uh, the press of the press conference today that we are playing Leicester City in this <laughs> game because he was asked so much about transfers. We know we're playing Leicester, so we went to speak to Pete Selby from For Fox Sake podcast about uh, Leicester City and uh, how, what he expects from them, them in this game. And from the For Fox's Sake podcast, Pete Selby, to talk to us about Liverpool versus Leicester. But all these games, Pete, and it's important to say, they're all part of the games that have come before and the games that are to come. And that's, you know, the way in which it works during this during this period of time. It's it's one where, you know, for instance, Puel's lost Danny Simpson in these last few games. Uh, there's been the 2-1 defeat to Watford. It was a Leicester side that was in really good nick two or three games ago and now finds itself just a tiny little bit off the boil. And I don't think that's just fixture congestion. I, th- I think that's, you know, there's been... The been un- played poorly once, been unlucky a couple of times, probably should do a bit better in the end against Man United, but do get a really good point. What Leicester are Liverpool going to get, do you think, on Saturday? They're a classic team who are just above mid-table. You, you throw in the old wobbly, you throw in a, a defeat against Watford and a, and a defeat at home against Palace with two great performances against the Manchester clubs in the Cup and in the Premier League as well. Um, it, it's never a place that would do well. I know we drew 
a couple of years back, 2-2. But um, the, the one size, and I've always said it uh, when I've been on the podcast, is that Liverpool with their pace up front really do cause our defenders problems. And obviously, Robert Huth won't be playing. So, uh, But Maguire's not exactly what you called fast. Um, I do fear this result. I, 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 this is the one game of the season, OK, apart from Man City now because of the way they're playing and the run they're on. This is the, the, the fixture that I say that Leicester have probably got the least chance of any fixture of getting something out of. At home against Liverpool, fine. At home against other clubs, fine. Going other places. But away at Anfield, it's just the way Liverpool are playing at home. The, the goals that you're scoring, and again, uh, you look at our back line and you look at your forward line, it's just matched for a big win for Liverpool. Now, seeing all that, I go with confidence. I'll be there in the away end and, uh, and, and I'll be having a good time. End of the day, we're, we're still enjoying our time in the Premier League, let alone, you know, even as former winners. But um, do we have a chance? Of course we've got a chance. We've got goal scorers in the side. We've got match winners in the side. And on the day, they can be some of the best players in the Premier League. So, yes, we do have a chance. But if we do, and if we do get something from the game, then I don't think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. And that's the only way. I think Leicester needs to go and attack and be very positive. I think if you sit back against Liverpool... Um, it could turn into a similar game against uh, Swansea. Uh, and I don't want that because it was a terrible thing to watch for, for the neutral, that's it. Um, the, the, I mean, I want to come on to talk about the manager because the manager kept four clean sheets against Liverpool last season and it is worth remembering that. But on the idea of the next two games being being their own challenge. Do you think what you've just said there about, listen, it's, the, the game after us is Huddersfield at home. And it's quite interesting because we play Burnley on, on New Year's Day and they've got Huddersfield this week. And the, the, what strikes me on, on all of this is, you know, will there be something in the back of Puel's mind where he's thinking to himself, you know what, Liverpool away, we'll just see what we get. We'll turn up, we'll obviously want to perform, but we know that the place we need to get three points from is Huddersfield at home. Are you expecting that sort of mindset? Or do you think that Leicester will come and think, you know what, we'll just play the same lads broadly speaking across the two games maybe make three or four changes and we think we can get a result we can get results back to back doing that how do you think he'll approach it and his, his squad will approach it I think if you're one of the, the top two or three teams or maybe maybe the top four teams in the country yeah you can go to an away game against Liverpool play your first team and then you play at home against Huddersfield the next day or couple of days time and you could maybe rest one or two of your star players and bring in a few because you're expected to beat them when you're Leicester that's not going to happen um for me it's really looking to the game after where we are away at Fleetwood in the FA Cup where I would expect Perel to make plenty of changes so he might be saying to the side look in many places on the team there are one or two players you'll be given 60 minutes or maybe 70 minutes against Liverpool and then the other player will be coming on, and then they might start the next game against Huddersfield, and again, the same thing changes around. So I think what we're doing is saying, look, you've got two games in the space of three days. The main team is going to be playing against Liverpool. The main side is going to be playing against Huddersfield. But then you're going to have a break, a full break against uh, Fleetwood. It will be probably 11 changes um, against them in the FA Cup. So for me, it will be the first team, and they'll go uh, with with an attacking intent. Like I said, uh, I, I know people managed to get those results and keep those clean sheets, but the way Leicester are playing um, at home, and, and they always have had this, even when they had tricky runs over the last couple of years, they've been able to keep uh, the, the score relatively low at home, but when they go away, like last season at Anfield, um, 
where Liverpool ripped them to shreds and they really exposed the slow centre-halves that we had at the time with Morgan and who. Um, I, I just don't think you can do that with Leicester. I, I think they need to go and attack. Um, and I think that's what Pearl do. I think it was the first team and I think it will be the first team against Huddersfield as well. Uh, just to run through what currently is the first team, because there is two or three people, you know, Chilwell and Fuchs at the minute you're using quite interchangeably. I haven't used Chilwell in front of Fuchs previously, and we may see that, but Fuchs doesn't play the previous game, so the expectation is that he comes back in. There is, uh, whether it would be Dragovic or Maguire to fill in it right back in the place of Simpson, because he's lost Amate as well, hasn't he now? Um, what, what what side are you actually expecting? I presume Bora comes back in because he was rested, and he comes in and plays next to Ndidi. And and to you know to accentuate a positive, Damari Gray's looked brilliant through the middle of the pitch and has looked really genuinely very dangerous, hasn't he? Yeah, the, the, the interesting thing at fullback at left back is um, Fuchs has played against the the, the the bigger sides to be a bit more solid, a bit more defensive, and then Chilwell's come in at home against the so-called sides that you expect to get three points to add a bit more attacking um, uh, on the left hand side, but. Uh, the interesting thing is, is, is the right-back position. Obviously, Simpson out with an injury. Marty's out because he's an idiot and got sent off in the most foolish of, of manners. But, um, yeah, who plays there? Dragovic played against uh, Watford. Um, it will be interesting to see who plays there. For me, it could even be Albrighton. Um, I expect Albrighton to be in the side, maybe in the three behind Vardy. You mentioned Gray. He's been very good. I'd imagine someone like Okazaki will be playing as well, just to solidify midfield slightly along with an Albrighton. But uh, at the fullback, to be perfectly honest, I have no idea. Play Dragovic, and it seems to be okay. I'd imagine that they'll stick with that. This is an, uh, a very experienced guy. Even though he's, you know, he's 26, 27, he's, he's gone for a lot of money in his career. He's not really kicked on at Leicester, but um, I think he has the sense to play there. Rather than ch- chucking one of the uh, the youth players, I think it will be Dragovic, alongside Maguire and then obviously Morgan, and I'd expect Fuchs to be playing. Um, the chill angle is, is, is interesting because he has played in that three behind Vardy um, on the left-hand side. It, that could happen. I don't think it will. I think it will be Mares, Okazaki, and also Gray because you can be solid at the back. You can have a Boran and Didi just in front of the back four. But you need to go and attack. You need to go and win the game. And to have that in your side, you need your Greys and you need also your Mareses as well. On one more little thing here, I, th- I think there's a marker here for this Leicester side. I've, you know, you go through the entirety of the fixtures this season, and now everybody's played everybody. And one of the things that strikes me is that even even when Shakespeare was in charge and, and things weren't going quite as well, this Leicester side, bar Crystal Palace at home, <laughs> they haven't been battered anywhere, have they? You know, Peter, every game they've competed in. And I think that this is something that you know is, is, is important both for, for Liverpool supporters to know and expect, that this this is a Leicester side that, that has competed Competed everywhere it's gone this season. You've only got to look at its December sort of list of fixtures. As I say, with the exception of that Palace game, they, City, even though it was a weakened side, but it goes all the way to penalties. There's the two-two against Man United. Even the defeats, they've all been very slight, haven't they? And I just sort of think that's important that it's clear to everybody before they step foot on that ground. It's going to be a live game of football, possibly for 90 minutes, where any where it could go either way. It's a good game. It's a good game. We turn up to teams now, um, and I speak to fans of other clubs, and they go, do you know what? We're quite excited about the fact it's Leicester turning up because you've got the Vardis and your Mareses. And, and also, you look through the team, Ibora, Schmeichel, Maguire. People obviously interested in Maguire with his performances for England. They're actually a, a, a nice team to come and watch because 
you know you can get a result, but also you want to watch a good game. Sometimes a team turns up and you, you know, they're a very similar side to, to a lot of others. So, yes, it's an exciting team. They have stuck with a lot of teams. Throughout. They've not been beaten off the park. I've got my own theories regarding the Palace game. I think that they won at Southampton during the week and then they all went out uh, around London uh, on the Wednesday night and on a Saturday morning early kickoff. They weren't quite at it. It's happened before, uh, and I think it'll happen again with this, this this current squad, which really has been together, the core of it, for the best part of around eight years. Um, they've got former doing that over Christmas, and I think it happened then. Um, I'm not sure what Perel thought of that. But I think it'll be an exciting game, and we are genuinely a eighth-placed, possibly seventh-placed side in the Premier League. You know, we if we go to Anfield and win, then you look at it and go, OK, that is a bit of a shock, but they are a good side. It's not quite like maybe a, a, a Palace or a Swansea or, or someone right down towards the bottom of West Ham going to Anfield and winning. Yeah. That would be a shock. But Leicester going there and getting something from the game isn't the biggest shock in the world. Um, but I do reiterate the fact that the one fixture, if you ask me any fixture in the Premier League at the start of the season, that if you say Leicester will, will struggle most, I would say, away at Anfield. Give me the uh, give me your prediction then. Um, I'll, I'll go for a draw. You have to be slightly positive with your own side when you make a prediction. And my predictions so far on the podcast have been very good. I think I've got the correct score a few times actually. Um, I think there's going to be goals. I think there's going to be goals. I wouldn't be surprised if it's another Desmond, um, another two-two. But uh, I'll go for a two-two or a three-three. I, I think Leicester will go very positive. And Mares is is on form this season. Vardy sharp as attack as usual. So. I'll be interested to see what uh, Mares does. He's scoring plenty of goals, and um, I think it could be a, a, a super show from the Algerians. So I'll go for a two-two or a three-three. Excellent. You got the last one right when you said whoever scores first will win three-two. Uh, so I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I'm intrigued by this one, Pete. Let's see how your records up uh, at the end of this, and uh, let's uh, let's get back and see what everybody else makes of it. Thanks to Neil there uh, for speaking to Pete for us and um, Leicester City then uh, are, are the team that we're playing. Mo, um, I mean, how much how much have you watched them, them recently? Um, as I say, the, the results look like they're struggling a bit. Although Jurgen Klopp claims that they've been playing better than their results suggest, I'd argue that was probably true. Uh, I've seen. Uh, I saw the majority of the United game, and obviously I've watched match of the day when they played against some of the other teams. But from what I gather their problems recently have been more around defending set pieces. So they have that one weakness which seems to be letting them down in a lot of other areas, which sounds remarkably similar to what we were <laughs> yeah. going through earlier on in the season. And when you look at their defence, you'd expect that not to be the case when you think about um, Harry Maguire, big, strong lad, Wes Morgan, um, even uh, Christian Fuchs has been good. And when they were at their best, those that was an attacking strength rather than a defensive weakness. So they've also been trying to get to grips with Puel and what they want from yeah. it, what he wants from them. So again, they're a little bit of a schizophrenic team in that respect. I think the interesting thing for me is within this band of rotation is that whether or not he's going to go with the, all four of Albright and Gray, Mares and Vardy. 
because I think that that's their best attacking setup. Although I'm also conscious of the fact that Okazaki ran rings around us in two games that we played early in the season. He was probably their most dangerous guy in those And games. it's how attacking they're going to go as well. I mean, you just mentioned a lot of players there and I'd be quite happy to see all them on the bench, <laughs> on the pitch because I'd be thinking, well, you know, at least they're not going to park mm-hmm. the bus. And so it's kind of how attacking they want to go. We've got a pretty good record against them at home. Um, Ian, last last two times out, I remember we, we, we beat them the year they won the league and it was one of only three games they lost all season and we beat them around this time of year. Actually, I think it was Boxing Day 1-0 one, one and uh, Chris Benteke, Benteke scored. scored yeah. And then last year they came as champions to Anfield and it was the first um, first game as Big Stand FC and uh, we, uh, <laughs> we, we we beat them 4-1. So pretty good record against them at home at least. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think some of most points there are right. You know, in terms of in terms of them as a side, they've been a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, they get that new manager bounce where you know, I think they get a draw in the first game, then they go win four league games in the bounce. So, you know, they're looking pretty handily placed. Uh, but then they have those those like kind of last three league games where Palace go to their place and, and tear them apart three 0 To mm. be fair, uh, Mo's absolutely right as well in terms of set pieces. They've, they've conceded more than anyone else in the league. Mad considering the size of the side. Exactly. Um, they have a poor result against Watford and they take the lead in that game. And then against United, to be fair, they rally and. They, they get a really good uh, result in terms of getting that 2-2 draw and down to 10 men um What's one of them, Gibbo? I think you, you, on the face of it, you'd expect Liverpool to, if they can, if Jürgen can put out what is nearest damn it, his strongest team, you'd expect Liverpool to win the game. But you know the lads are right. You know these these are a decent side, especially on the counter attack. So when you've got that amount of pace, you're always a little bit concerned. I think one of the things to think about though is their squad's nowhere near as strong as ours. Yeah. Not a lot of their lads have had a rest recently. He does rest Amari Gray uh, in the last game, but Vardy and Mahrez are pretty much playing every game. There's going to come a point where he's going to have to rest one or two of those lads whether it's Liverpool or this week maybe not um, but you do wonder if they haven't played so many games in a short space of time just how much they're going to be able to put into this game the next one's Huddersfield isn't it sorry it's all right. I was just going to say they had that League Cup quarter final as well didn't they you know, he rests them in that Robert, which is a bit mad because you're thinking well that's that's a chance for them to go and win another trophy yeah, yeah. You know, they're not going to go down they're not going to win the league they're not going to get into Europe go and play your best lads he ends up bringing them on no, they lose on penalties mm-hmm. um, but he does give them a rest in that game but they, those two lads especially Vardy and Mahrez Grace had a little bit of a rest but they're Playing pretty much every single game, so it is. It is like a weird set of results recently, isn't it? I mean, losing to Watford, the last one, yeah. drawing with Man United. Obviously, that League Cup game goes to extra time, as we said. But but you know, get, getting tonked by Palace. I mean, Palace are scoring some nice goals at times, but they're still Palace. They're still Hodgson. Mm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the last six when you look at us versus them, all competitions like they've they've scored eleven, conceded eleven. We've scored twenty and conceded four. So you know, it's just a basic raw stats like that. You sort of think, well, it, it's a Liverpool win, isn't it? And, and and the bookies are certainly looking that way as well. But then I, I kind of think with Grey Vardy, Mares, the likes of them, they're capable of scoring. They're capable of giving our defence a game a problem um, but we've got to mention Big Virgil haven't we he's, he's supposed to be coming down to watch and yeah there's talk that he's going to watch him from the stands and I just think you know that's only a, that that's like a, a positive thing that because we all go mad because he's in the stands the players are surely lifted by it as well um, because you know they're all looking at it going we've bought a boss player here and, and there's, you know this could potentially give us momentum for the five months of the season that remain and then if you're a centre half as well you're going to be 
going, well, I want to play next to this fella yeah. as well. And I, I, I don't know, I think it could be a nice little feel-good thing. That. I hope he gets to walk on the pitch. Oh, that. God. <laughs> Come and give us all a wave. Walk around them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Pitch like the FA Cup. Get Ron Yates to bring him out. I'd like to see his first combo with Lovren after Lovren tried to cripple him. I know, yeah. that, that game recently went yeah. right through him, didn't Unlucky he? dickhead. <laughs> And uh, by the way, stay away from me and saying because I'll be, I'll be practicing my free kicks. <laughs> okay, so what, what do we think the Reds should do then? Would you, I mean, just to open it up, would you guys go as strong as possible in this game and then worry about Burnley or you, or you picking almost two teams now and, and two teams that you think would be good enough to get six points? I think there's, well, there's been a four-day gap, Gibbo, so I think there's a chance he, he looks to go pretty strong again. I think there'll be some changes. I mean, you know, there's no doubt for me, Matip will sit this one out, probably come back against Burnley. He won't want to rush him back too quick. He's obviously played against Swansea. I expect to see Lovren come back <coughs> in. He takes Robertson off against Swansea. So again, you, you fancy him to probably start. I think I, the I, reason he's done that is I think James Milner's going to start one of these two well, games. At that, that's my so point. I think he's given 20 I think he's minutes, asking yeah. James Milner to go for, to, 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 give, him, to give him 90 against Burnley. Yeah, I think he says to Robertson, listen, you're the man for Leicester. Uh, Milner's not training as a, as, a, as a left back we know that but for 90 minutes against Burnley I imagine we see him there uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he says to, to Trent go again against Leicester with a view to, to Gomez starting the Burnley game yeah. so I don't think you're going to be able to ask one of those lads to go twice in, two, in, two, in 48 hours essentially um, and Trent hasn't played that many on the bounce but I think with a four day gap there's, there's a potential there for him to start this one and Gomez comes in against, um, against Burnley Chan got a knock against Swansea. He looked like he was carrying a bit of a, Dude, a bit of a nickel. We're a little bit short of midfield though. Without we? Henderson, that's the key thing there. You know, we haven't got loads and loads of options. You're thinking about Adam Lallana. He comes on against Bournemouth, gets a yellow card within about a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't come on against Arsenal, but then does get some minutes against Swansea. Uh, no, is there is there a shout for him maybe starting this one or you know maybe Jürgen looks to, to Burnley? I think it'll all come down to how he's looked in training. But you know, I, I would fancy Lallana to start one of these next two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Salah comes off doesn't he against Swansea I don't think he can play both there's going to come a time I keep waiting for Salah to get a rest and he and he, he just keeps playing him and playing him and playing him so I wonder maybe this week uh, against Leicester does he does he look to maybe just replace him with Mane possibly so um, I think it's interesting that there was a little story made out of uh, Salah being upset about being taken off even though he wasn't really it was just like a, a typical oh, disappointed he didn't score and to the point where you're going to have to actually come out and say oh yeah well obviously the classic manager speak this is what we want out of players we want them to be upset so I don't know whether or not that's going to mean that he is playing the way he come out and actually says something or whether or not it means that he's telling him you have to be ready to sit on the bench just like everyone else yeah I agree with you regarding the defence. I think that Milner will probably play Burnley rather than Leicester. If you look at the kind of wingers that Burnley have got compared to Leicester, that's probably the biggest difference between the two sides. Milner's not 100% perfect when he's up against a tricky winger. So I'd be looking for the more physical option against Burnley. So yeah, I'd be looking at maybe Robertson. I'd agree with you about going with Trent again. I think the physicality of Burnley's Gomez is probably going to be more necessary there. Yeah. You can start to almost place a few points yeah. here and there and then work around it. You're right, centre midfield is interesting though because mm. I would like to see Lalana start. I think that normal situation, I'd say Leicester would be a good one. If, <laughs> but if there's neither Chan nor Henderson, then I'd be a little bit more concerned about it. 
He always play like history shows. He always plays Chandler's new and Henderson's out, and even in like a run of games as well. I mean, as much as he's loving rotation, mm. I think Christian Walsh has written something for the Echo this morning about it, and he he was saying in that you know. The, there's been a past I think Chan had a run of something like 12 games where he played every game because I don't think he'd, he trusts anyone else to basically play that six no, does he? No, I agree and I think in the situation where you're going to be playing against a team who are really good on the counter-attack that's not the kind of area you can take chances so I, I'm like you I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the two of them if Chan and Lallana start and maybe gives uses a chance to give Coutinho a, a rest with a look to coming in in the other game well, he's going to the full 90, yeah. doesn't he, tonight as well? I think some players he's going to have to ask to go again, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm. At centre-half, they've only really got three at the minute. Uh, if, you're not, if you're not counting Gomez, it's, it's, one, of your, it's one of your centre-halves. So, Clavin, Matip, Lovren, one of them's going to have, probably one of them's going to have to go again uh, in, in, in both but this games. But this is what we've so. been building towards anyway, though, isn't it? He, you yeah. know, he's, been, he's been resting them all at different times and, and managing the minutes. So, so we're now in the period where, you know, if you're going to have to do it, then you'd have to do it. They shouldn't be too knackered because they've been they've been no. getting rotated yeah. so you'd fan team to do to, uh, there'll, there'll be several who will have to go again and I think you know last year at Sunderland after the City game he plays 9 or 10 of the same lads yeah. and, he, mm. and he can see it. You know, Milner's legs fall off at half time he has to take him off it doesn't go well you're right Robert well, he's obviously built up to this There's and we've got to win this fucking derby and we've got to win this fucking absolutely so I, I think he you know he probably looks to make 3 or 4 I think against Leicester and maybe more like 7 or 8 against against Burnley is, is our kind of sense him going about it but you know Klopp does like a little surprise in there as well so you don't know Mourinho, Mourinho's had a pop in his press conference by the way oh good uh, it says Van Dyke is the most expensive defender in the history of football was he better than Maldini Bergami or Ferdinand that's absolutely wild isn't it um, I mean let's the, just pull fucking lads from fucking yeah. years ago you know what I mean? so, 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 yeah so Lukaku's better than uh, old Ronaldo then yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean and Pogba's better than Zidane Abs- or, uh, yeah. absolutely ridiculous um, we get told on, the, on this um, on this on this show sometimes well generally on the Anfield rap do we talk about um, Rafa Benitez too much so I'm going to talk about um, Gerard Hulier <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm going to talk about Gerard Hulier because I was interviewing uh, Sander Vestival recently for a, for a feature coming soon and he was saying there were certain games where um, Gerard Hulier just pick all the English lads and he, he mentioned Tranmere away in the FA Cup yeah. as an example where where he just he just goes to Paddy Bergen and Vlad Schmid, so this one's not for you, lads. You know what I mean? I'm, uh, I'm picking I'm picking Barbie and Murphy for example, and, and I just wonder whether that that's the way he's going to look at these these games really, and he's going to think who's be who's, who's be big lads, bigger lads, be stronger boys, be, be guys who don't mind it, kind of a bit more physical who can pick against Burnley, and and that's one where we might see say, Solanke from from a little bit from out of nowhere and stuff like that. Who's who's got that bit more physical presence that that's the the one of the two I think Oxley Chamberlain's more likely to start for example um, I think he might go a little bit like that I think you're probably right. I mean, on that as well, I, you know, there's no storages there at the minute. It looks like he's, he's still out. There's, he's had an injury, then illness. There's no real sign of him coming back for this game. Yeah, he wasn't asked for storage, was he? He get mentioned. Said, so, Moreno's another three games, he thinks, and, and Henderson not sure, but I don't think he mentioned storage. But, but I think on that point, look at it, because you mentioned Solanke there. If storage is not going to be back, then it almost leads you to think that Solanke will probably feature in, in one of these two games. And I absolutely take your point on the, on the physicality side of things as well, because Burnley will make it more of a battle. And you could maybe look at that game and think, 
think, you know, match them for the first 50, 60 minutes and then look to introduce a few of your, a few of your big hitters with mm. kind of, you know, half an hour to go. Yep. Maybe Salah comes on and you look to win the game from there. Listen, Burnley don't score many goals. They don't concede many. They've only scored 18 this season, conceded 17. So they don't concede an awful lot, but they're not as much of a threat uh, as, say, maybe a Leicester in terms of a goal threat. So... Okay, uh, the travelling cough feature is where we speak to an overseas fan who's over to watch Liverpool, who's coming to Anfield occasionally for the first time, although the gentleman we're going to speak to now has been to Anfield uh, a lot over the years, as he used to, he used to live here uh, for a long time, but he's over in Toronto now, so he's going to tell you his story about speaking to sport in Liverpool. Uh, so over to me again with his ass. Thanks to me, and this is the Travelling Cop, and uh, I'm joined by Azaz, am I pronouncing that right? Azaz. Azaz, sorry, yeah. we, we've just met outside in my, yeah. my defence uh, a few minutes ago, and then we've been talking about the uh, the space and things like that, and this is the, the Travelling Cop feature, but it's, just, it's kind of slightly different this week, because you're someone who's, who's, who's moved away from the area, exactly. and is, is now back for the kind of the festive period, I would guess, and also a good a good chance to see some football. Yeah, exactly, so it's, it's pretty funny, I'm originally from Manchester, believe it or not, so... Um, my dad was a massive United fan, so background, parents are Pakistani. Um, so my dad moved to Manchester, was a huge United fan, and um, age seven, so it's coming up to nearly 30 years, I've been a Liverpool fan. Um, and it was, honestly, it was just to annoy him originally. <laughs> just, to just, to, just to wind him up. And um, the following year, my, my parents are like, what do you want for your birthday? And I said, I want a Liverpool shirt. And my dad was like, no, I'm not buying him a Liverpool shirt. And my mom was like, well, that's what he wants. So um, she got her way and I got a 1987 to 88 shirt with um, the crown paint yeah. shirt on the front. So after that, it just became my obsession. I actually reveled with the fact that I went to school in Stratford, which is just down the road. Yeah, that's like yeah, proper United proper Territory. Proper United Territory. So I've just always reveled in it. It's just been, <laughs> it's been my thing. And then, um, yeah, just a bit more about the story. It was in 2010, I moved to Toronto. Okay. But from 2003 onwards, I was a PTS member, which used to be the priority ticket yeah. membership. And that, so, was, that was quite good in terms of being able amazing. to get tickets, wasn't it? Because I know a lot of people who are on the members scheme now uh, have complaints about it and get in touch with us about it. But generally, if you were on PTS, you were more or less guaranteed a ticket. If you were on it, you yeah. were more or less guaranteed yeah. a ticket, weren't you? So I'm really proud. My fan card's actually in the third. 38,000 like so it's like 1038 and then I won't give the rest of my number <laughs> but it's um so I was actually in the first 45,000 which would have been the first ever allocation yeah. so there would have been the season ticket holders and then the PTS members went next um yeah from 2003 to 2010 I almost went to every game I went to Greece on my own didn't actually get to Istanbul because um I have a lot of family in Canada which is one of the reasons why I'm over there okay. now and um in April 2005 my cousin was getting married so I went there um, so my brother took my Liverpool v Chelsea ticket he, he while we were there he phoned me and said you better get on your Istanbul ticket now and I was like oh no I'm going to get a ticket I'll worry about the flight later on and then um, by the time I came back the flights were all sold out and at that time my mum was like you ain't going via Bulgaria or something else. She's like, if you can get a flight straight to Istanbul. So it's probably one of my biggest regrets of all time. But no, from 2003 to 2010, I went to pretty much every single home game that I could get to. A couple of aways here and there as well, but they weren't linked to my fan card. Yeah. But yeah, 
it was the hardest thing. I always say, um, when en- when anyone ever asks me, what do you miss the most? It's it's always family first and then footy second. And that's because you have to say family first. <laughs> possibly, mate, possibly. What was really funny was I updated my Facebook status before I came here and football was last and in capitals. And someone even called me out on it. They were like, you should probably do that for your family. And I was like, uh, they know how much I love them. <laughs> so yeah, out in Canada now, um, yeah. and... And in terms of a normal match day for you then out there, is this the supporters club you go to or do, you, or do you rather kind of watch on your own in your house? Do you know what? When I first moved over there, I I did used to go to the supporters club. So because I had family and friends there already, I've, I've been a bit of a Liverpool missionary already. I've converted a few people, got them, got them into the club. Um, one trip I came, when we first signed with Warrior, I actually came to Liverpool and took six shirts home wow. with me. So being being someone who talks about Liverpool is um, something that's just in my DNA now. But um, I actually watch the games at home now on my own. Originally, when I first got there, I used to go to the um, supporters club. It's a place called Scallywags right. in Toronto. Brilliant. And it's cool. It was just... Um, yeah, at this point now, especially for some of the seven o'clock games and ten a.m. games, I'm just like I just rather like wake up, grab a coffee, and and watch it at home. And plus, you can just focus and concentrate then, right? So yeah. yeah. So how how long have you been over here on on this trip? Have you managed to get to a game yet? Yeah, yeah, I've been to both. So I got here last Tuesday. So um, I went to the Arsenal versus Liverpool game. So okay. What a what entertainment that was! <laughs> Wasn't ideal, but still yeah. three three. Um, and then I went the other day as well to the um, Swansea. Swansea game. Yeah, yeah, so and got tickets for Leicester. You, oh, yeah, so almost. So the Swansea game, I actually got tickets on my fan card. The, yeah. the Arsenal game. One of my good friends from London is a is a Arsenal fan, so he managed to get us to. I I I'm on the cusp of getting Leicester tickets. <laughs> I'm going tomorrow, regardless of anything. So um, when I'm over here, I usually plan my Christmas trip around how many games I can get to. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm sure I'm sure we can sort something out for you if 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 something if if it falls through. But um, yeah, because I think there's a few people. Because it's funny because at this time of year at Anfield, because a lot of people who who maybe live in the area, but. Um, originally from elsewhere kind yeah. of all disappear and then all these kind of like expat scousers or or, or or people from the northwest like yourself kind of come back so I, it feels like they're all kind of swapping tickets between each other really yeah you know what it would be um that's that's how it is yeah. I, I i feel that in the stadium as well we got yeah. talking to a couple of people i was in the anfield road for the first time in years yeah. for for the swansea game and just talking to a few people and i did get that vibe where people have, <laughs> are in town so they're yeah. going to the match so i get it like tickets are a premium at this time i mean anfield is it's always sold out anyway so it's pretty good um another cool thing about my liverpool story is i actually work for a travel company now so um i'm the marketing director in canada and so um i end up traveling quite a bit with my work which is amazing and i always make a point to watch all the games while i'm away as well so i've actually got some pretty cool experiences like this year um i watched a game in the liverpool supporters club in kyoto in japan okay um but the best one i've got of recent 
recent times is in for the Europa League final, I actually found the one bar in the Galapagos Islands <laughs> that was playing the game. And I was on a group trip because the, the company I work for is small group travel. And I actually, there was actually four of us watching the game. So it was myself and a colleague and two of the people who were on the trip yeah. actually didn't go snorkeling and came to watch the to, to watch the final with me which is pretty cool yeah no that's i mean so it's been anywhere you've been where you've been surprised by how many liverpool fans there were so you obviously you've traveled quite a lot you try and watch the games i was just wondering if you've been somewhere you think oh oh i'll see if there's anyone in the supporters club there might be like five or six people and then there's this kind of 50 60 all there watching i think the not really no the best thing was this year so so most recently i was in south america again i was yeah. in brazil for the Sevilla 3-3 game it's such a tough life you've got by it's, the sound it's a really it? tough life yeah <laughs> so i had my Firmino shirt and I've yeah. got the away shirt with Firmino on the back. So I wore that deliberately. I went, I was in um, Iguazu Falls on the Brazil side. So I went to this sports bar. And at the start, when we went 1 0, 2 0, 3 0, all these Brazilians were. They couldn't speak English. I couldn't speak Portuguese, but we were kind of bonding over footy. And they were they were all on my side and it looked like we were all cheering for the same team. Then as soon as it went to 3-1-3-2-3-3, they all suddenly turned on me and it was like all these locals were just like trying to wind me up because I was a <laughs> Liverpool fan and we had just dropped a three-goal lead. So, no, I... We anywhere I go, I always wear my shirt. I generally try and wear it when I'm traveling anyway, like yeah. when I'm actually en route. And so many people will stop you and say, Oh, you're a Liverpool fan, or yeah. you obviously get the other teams as well, just giving you a bit <laughs> of stick as well. But um yeah, it's 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 part of my identity. So I, I do try and wear the shirt all the time. Represents and all yeah. that. Um uh, just quickly before we go, what yeah. what have you made of uh, of the Van Dyke news? Are you pleased you've got him in? I'm loving it. I was actually just listening to the Field Wrapped, you've got two episodes, so little plug there. If anyone's, I mean, I guess if someone's listening to this, they've already they've already subscribed. But um, this one's going out for free, actually. Oh, is it? So, yeah. Amazing. Okay, so yeah, you guys should subscribe. It's <laughs> it's literally like part of my day is to like spend some time listening to these guys. When I got here, I was telling John, it's so weird meeting you in person because you're in my earbuds all the time. Um, so what do I make of the Van Dyke move? I love it. I think. It was obviously the main part of the team that we had to address. I'm 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 all in on the Klopp on the Klopp regime anyway. Yeah. You know, I think from the minute it started, I always thought it was gonna take time. And it's easy to forget where we were when Klopp actually took over. You know, there was 13, 14, and then we literally fell off the cliff. Yeah. So when Klopp actually took over, we were broken and anything that was gonna happen in 1516 under Brendan Rogers, who I have a lot of love for, because I can't ever forget the memories of that season. Mm. But by the time Brendan was let go and Klopp came in, we weren't the same team as 13-14, we had completely shifted. So from where we were, I think he almost was too successful in his first season getting us to those two finals. He ignited this hope in us and we we beat City well, we beat Chelsea. So I think people started to get a bit ahead of themselves, but there was already the signings that we had made after Suarez left, they already needed bedding in. And then there was the fact that there was things that needed addressing, which we're only addressing now with Van mm. Dyke. So I'm really excited. And you know what? Another thing is, firstly, City, you've got to give them respect for what they're doing. But after that, I'd much rather be us where 
fine, okay, we're part of this pack trying to get in Champions League. There's only three spots between five of us, but at least we're entertaining. Mm. At least you can tune in whether I'm watching at 7 a.m. in <laughs> Toronto or whether someone's waking up at 2 a.m. somewhere around the world. At least when you wake up and watch Liverpool you know that you're going to be entertained. When you're going to the match at Anfield, you know that, you know, Salah's going to do something, Coutinho's going to do something. It's it's better than watching someone parking buses. We can all get on board with that. And yeah. Let's hope Leicester City don't park the bus too much and we all get an entertaining game. But in the meantime, uh, huge thanks to Isas and it's uh, back to me, I guess. So, back at the studio now with, with Mo, Ian and Gareth. I'll just get your predictions for the Liverpool-Leicester game before we move on to talk a little bit more about Burnley. Uh, Mo? Uh, 3-1 Leicester. No, sorry, 3-1 Leicester. Oh, oh, steady on! Oh, <laughs> can, we, can we do that again? <laughs> 3-1 Liverpool. 3-1 to someone from Mel, uh, Ian. 2-0 to the Reds. You sure? Yeah, the, absolutely. The, 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 the Liverpool yeah. Reds. <laughs> it's, 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 it's alliteration, it got me. What can I say? It's, it's tough, Gareth. 3-0 to Liverpool. Yeah, all, sounds, all sounds fantastic to me. Um, okay, Burnley, as well, as you'll know, we're recording this uh, before they go to go to Huddersfield. So it's quite quite a tough game for them. That at, at Huddersfield, they've got a good good record away from home. But you'd imagine that want to be high energy again. And so they're going to put a, a lot of that into that. Um, one positive Burnley have got is uh, Tarkowski. Mo, he's been out for the... The, this, that Huddersfield game will be his third game with suspension so he, he'll be back for, for the Liverpool game and he'll be fresh and he's been a really good player for them this season he has he's been fantastic when you consider the pressure he was under to replace the, the big money Michael Keane he's just slotted in seamlessly and I think that's another indicator of the system and the, the belief that they've got in their manager, the way that so many players have been able to slot in seamlessly. When you think about Nick Pope, everyone was saying that Tom Heaton was a, it was probably a player of the year last season, and they've been without him and they've not even missed a beat. No. Matt Lowton went out. Uh, Phil Barsley came in. Phil Barsley, who was his career was seen as over after his time at Sunderland and with Stoke, has come in. They're not Mr. B. I expect Lowton and Tarkovsky to come back uh, as soon as possible, despite that. But it's just a real indicator of the fact that the system works so well and everyone knows their jobs so well that they can you can almost plug in a few extras and it'll still the machine will still work nicely. Yeah, which is credit to the manager, isn't it? And, and, and what a, what a great job he's done there. We were talking a little bit before Gareth about about Burnley and kind of how they set up and wondering how Liverpool might be able to get at them. And uh, I've noticed that well, I've saw the, the Spurs go there and win three 0 and, and mm. it's sort of quite comfortable. And you do wonder in terms of how Liverpool play, how how. If, if we get, if if we've got high energy and we're able to go at them and their level drops because they've got this tough game of Huddersfield, then maybe there are some openings there for for kind of a tricky team. Yeah, I think so. I I, th- I think you know they can't obviously rotate to the extent that Liverpool have to, have done. So maybe there's a little bit of a a freshness advantage, but also just yeah because of Liverpool's style, I don't think it's going to come as a surprise what Burnley will try to do to them in terms of style. And and you know Liverpool should and can fight just as well as, as Burnley can. And then it, it's the old chestnut, really, of sort of, you know, match their fight. And then Liverpool should have more quality. I mean, I think even even the home game, I mean, you know, there's lots and lots of fume about drawing with Burnley at home. 
But aside from the decent goal that they score, it's not like they're all over us or anything. And quite the opposite. We have chances at the other end that we should have been taking. I think I think there was a penalty shout. I think there's one that comes off the bar. You know, and it was another one of them. There's been too many of them, admittedly, but it was another one of them. It could have been different. It, you know, blah, blah, blah. Blues are getting... I love that at the moment, aren't they? They're getting, <laughs> getting stuck into us for saying that quite a lot. But, it, you know, when you're watching Liverpool, there has been loads of that this season. And I think that Burnley game was one of them. So, for all that Dyche deserves credit and for all that they are and will be a difficult test... I think Liverpool have just got so much quality. You know, you mentioned before, 20 goals in the last six games in all competitions. That's got to be scaring people, including Burnley. I think one thing that I will be surprised if isn't mentioned in the Burnley dressing room is um, the possession stats from our game there last season, yeah. where we had like nearly 80%. Yeah, it got lost. Yeah, because... It feels like ages ago, by the way. But... When you look at some of the games that Rob was talking about where we've drawn, where we shouldn't have drawn, a lot of those games were we were sloppy and we had a lot of chances but didn't we weren't clinical. And he's going to be praying that we're in that mood when we arrive. And if we are, he's going to be telling his lads, listen, hold out, because we've done this before, we can do it again. That's going to be the biggest fear from a Liverpool perspective and that it's going to be the biggest boom Burnley have. I agree with Robbo. I think that we should have enough. I think that the way we're playing and the way that that's already happened once means that we're going to be able to guard against it happening the second time. I'd echo the comments from the boys there. I think in terms of in terms of Burnley, I think Dice deserves a lot of credit. You know, there was a lot of rumours about him potentially, you know, taking other jobs and you've seen how maybe that's affected maybe uh, Silver over at Watford a little bit in terms, you know, they, they went in a bit of a spiral from then and then he's carried on uh, and he's got Burnley in a really, really good position. With the five points off fourth, you know, any Burnley fan would have snapped your hand off to be in that position, seventh in the league, playing well. Yes, Spurs 10 over the other week. You know, the game kind of changed a little bit on the penalty that Deli Alley wins uh, and then Harry Kane runs riot. I agree with Robbo's point, you know, this could almost be a good time to play Burnley. You know, it, it, it looks like a really, really tough game, and I'm sure it will be. Loads of physical threat and stuff, and you've got to be up for the battle. But in terms of being able to rotate, they're probably going to be asking most of their lads to go again. You know, you don't want to really be playing this Liverpool team 48 hours after just playing at Huddersfield. So yeah. I think in terms of a, a good time, this might not be the worst time to go and play a Burnley side. They were probably going to be feeling a little bit lethargic from having played a game 48 hours earlier away mm. from home. You know, we, we're in a fortunate position where we can make... Seven or eight changes. Yes, there's a little bit of a drop off, but we've got loads and loads of quality in the squad at the minute. So I'd fancy us to still go there and listen. It'll be tight, but but, but should hopefully just nick it. Uh, someone who knows much more about us than uh, uh, about Burnley is uh, Tyrone Marshall because he writes about them for a living. So yeah, uh, so we should do really. Um, so Neil earlier in the day spoke to Tyrone about what he expects from Burnley come New Year's Day. Yep, joined now by Tyrone Marshall from the Lancashire Telegraph. And Tyrone, you know, it always strikes me as interesting your story in terms of covering Burnley. You're not a Burnley supporter, but you've now been covering them for the Lancashire Telegraph for, for, for a number of years. And you've seen them come up, go back down, come back up ready for the challenge that was to come, which they, they, they proved by staying up. And now you've watched them grow into what has been at least, you know, we're sitting here, it's about to be the 1st of January. And we're sitting here and, and, and they've been so far this season the seventh best team in the country. They might not finish seventh, but they've shown so much so far this season and you've been so close to that yeah you know I, I think whenever you cover a team you, you kind of get an emotional attachment with them because you get to know fans and players and staff and, and things like that and it, it also makes your job easier if they do win but 
I think Burnley are also, this is a point I made um, over the last month, really, I think they're a very easy team for neutrals to get behind in terms of the way they play, their commitment on the pitch, their work rate on the pitch, um, the kind of values they have. Obviously, Sean Dyche has always been very sort of anti-diving and, you know, perhaps a bit of a, a football philosopher, really, in how he likes to see the game being played and, you know, the old-fashioned values that he doesn't really want to lose. And I think for neutrals, they are a very easy team to look at and think, yeah, you know, you, you can get behind that. And certainly for fans of the club, um, the way they're playing, the results they're getting and the manner they're doing it, I think it makes them very easy to get behind and very easy to support. It has been an absolutely incredible, incredible journey. And for the fans, it's, uh, it's a ride that, that keeps going at the moment. So, I mean, 2017 has, has been just an incredible year for them. I think the, the the place it starts from, I get the impression, is is is, is the brains, Tyrone. You know, but there's there was an excellent Rory Smith piece uh, in the New York Times, which which referred to sort of Burnley confounding the stats in many senses in terms of the number of shots they give up, the the number of shots that actually end up being on target, and yet the results that they get in the context of all of that being something which is which marks them as an outlier. And and, and Rory dug into it and dug into it, and one of the things he noticed and. I think he was almost certainly told was that there's a lot, lots and lots of work is done at Burnley in ensuring that, for instance, the the type of shots that opportunities that teams end up with work a certain way. They work in Burnley's favour, and that to me it shows. You know, this isn't. Whilst there is loads and loads of rolling up sleeves and hard work and graft and togetherness, there's also a genuine, you know, genuine brain has gone into all of this, and and so far at least things never work forever, but so far at least it's worked. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they do confound the stats if you were looking purely at, you know, the shots they give up on goal, the shots they take on goal and, and things like that. You'd say they shouldn't be seventh and, and they can't be seventh and it can't, it can't last. But like you say, it's, the, the percentages are very much in their favour. Um, they get a lot of men between the ball and the goal. A lot of the shots are from distance. Um, and, you know, the goalkeepers have to make an awful lot of saves. I think one thing they do very well, which has been picked up a little bit more over the last few months, is it, when, when players sort of has got into a good shooting position. They'll have players who kind of line up between the ball and the post. It's obviously something that's drilled yeah. you know, forensically on the training ground of where the ball is and knowing where your goal is. So if the player's got a shooting angle, they'll have perhaps the left back and the left centre half covering both posts so that if the player wants to go for the corners, the shot's going to be blocked. It only leaves him sort of the middle of the goal where you'd back a six-foot-five goalkeeper to, to make the save. So the stats are very much in their favour. There was an incident in the Boxing Day game, actually, which I thought highlighted it quite well when I think it was just after Burnley had gone 2-0 up and Marcus Rashford got into the box and didn't have a shooting angle yet. He had to cut inside someone. But you see Ben May sprinting back beyond Rashford and just getting straight onto the line and covering the far post. And it was obviously, it's obviously something they're drilled and told to do. And sure enough, Rashford did cut in, did beat Pope with his shot. But Ben May had sort of sprinted back from the 20-yard line, got onto the line and and made the clearance. I think this is why they're top for blocks and things like that, because they do put the percentages in their favour. They work very hard at, at making the goal smaller. And if you've only got sort of the central part of the goal to aim for, then you're going to back the goalkeeper to make the saves. Is this one of the reasons why you think that, you know, if and when players do move from Burnley, Michael Keane's a recent example, but he's not the only one. Certainly if they're defensive players, or even, or even midfielders, that they may struggle at least at first at new clubs, because so much of what they're able to do well, so much of what the story that you're able to tell of, of them playing well, is, is because of the drilling, because of the shape, because they've been shown, this is, this is how we defend. And obviously if you go somewhere else, you 
you're not going to be in the same shape. You're not going to be drilled in the same way. The club, the club might have a different set of priorities, a different philosophy, a different approach. And all of a sudden, you might suddenly look, well, it was easier back there. You know, the, the, looking at the way in which, you know, Tarkowski is slotted in for Michael Keane is a really good example at the minute. He looks fantastic this season. People have been putting him in teams of the year at centre-half. Uh, and yet, you know, you get the impression that if he was to move to, you know, if he was to move to, to say, Man City, suddenly he's got no fallback next to him. He's got no hold, two holding midfielders sitting in front of him, helping him out. He's he's 20 yards up the pitch. Do you know what I mean? Do you think that that's something which people who are looking at Burnley will have to bear in mind when they're looking at these players? I think so, yeah. I mean, Michael Keane's obviously a, a very good example. And I think, you know, a lot of Burnley, Burnley's success is based on the defence, but it's a unit rather than individuals. Yeah. And the players always talk about it being a unit. And it was highlighted with the way Tarkowski came in for Michael Keane and, and you know, it made no difference to the side at all, the fact that, that Keane had gone where people were quite worried about it. And since then, you know, recently at Old Trafford, a few games recently, four of the first-choice back five at the start of the season haven't been playing. Both the full-backs have, have had injuries recently. Ben May had an injury. Tarkowski's now suspended. Obviously, Tom Heaton's had his injury. Yet there's no noticeable dip in performances. It, it's just carried on this sort of high line of, of where they've been playing. And I think they spend a lot of time on the training ground working as a defensive unit and, and as a framework. And they kind of know if you're in this, if you're the right centre half, if you're the left centre half, this is where you should be when, this is, you know, where you should be in, in line with your teammates. And, you know, I think they're so well drilled in that that it almost becomes that the user word, um, automatic, automaticity, automaticity, which is easy for them to say them for me, <laughs> um, about, <laughs> about how they sort of do the defensive work and, and they practice it so much in the training ground that it becomes second nature when you go out and, and play, so I think it's easier to, to sort of, you know, to, to repeat that once you've done it so often on the training ground, and you've seen it with them, like Kevin Long coming in for the two centre half recently. It, it's just carried on as it was. So I think that is something that when you go to a different club, there might not be that level of work. You know, Michael Keane going to Everton, there's probably going to be more work at Everton on on the final third of the pitch and, and creating chances and scoring goals compared to what it's going to be at Burnley. So it's probably a, a bit of a, a change and a learning curve for the player, but also it's going to take them time to adapt from from what they've been used to at Burnley. It's this season though. What's what's noticeable, and we, we've been talking all the way through the campaign, and you've been at pains to point it out that what's changed this season is, is that centre midfield two who tend to play in front of that back four. Uh, Defoe wasn't getting many opportunities last season, and has, has obviously hugely improved off the pitch. Or, or sorry, off the pitch, but on the training field for his manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jack Hawks come in, and they're, they're, they're if anything, they've been you know if you're looking for the major difference maybe from last season, they've been the upgrade. The pair of them are both having really Really impressive seasons. Yeah, I think they've they've allowed Burnley to sort of change change the way they play and just sort of calm it down a bit. At times last season, even when they were winning last season, sort certainly early on in the season at home, they were winning games three two, and it was all a bit helter skelter and, and hundred miles an hour and you attacking and we attacking. There was no sort of game management or real real control to it, and that's something that's noticeably changed this season. Certainly with the away wins, they've had sort of one 0 two one away wins. There's a real sort of control and, and game management and, and Premier League know-how now in certainly away from home, going away from home and, and how you play and how you control the game and kind of, you know, the old cliche of kill the atmosphere in the first 30 minutes and, and things like that. And I think those two in the field have allowed them to do that. They've got a real calmness on the ball that perhaps wasn't there over the last sort of 12 months to two years. Um, they they complement each other so well as well. They've both, they've both kind of said that they just sort of hit it off style-wise in, in pre-season and they really do complement each other, playing that deeper midfield role, and they just bring a, a calmness. Is probably the best word to it when when they've got the ballers. 
there's a bit more calmness now when they're under pressure they can they can pick the right pass and just you know enable Burnley to have a few minutes possession and just sort of calm things down and I think that's been a huge difference for them this season on the on these games to come, because we're recording this before the 30th, this is going to go out, you know, we're, we're talking about the two Liverpool games back-to-back, so we might as well talk about the two Burnley games back-to-back. Huddersfield yep. away seems like a, an affair where Burnley, first and foremost, given the way they've played this season, should be thinking that they can get three points. But also it'll be a game where Burnley might find themselves ever so slightly Burnley'd in that they're going to turn up to a, to a ground where they know how important home points are. I think so far this season they've only picked up six points away from home, which isn't dissimilar to, the, to Burnley's path to safety last season. Mm. You can trace a lot of lines, can't you? The importance of the home form this campaign for Huddersfield, the the, the, the collective work ethic, the intimidating atmosphere, being a, a new ground somewhere people aren't used to, all of that I think has played its part. I mean, it is interesting, isn't it, that Burnley are going to go to going to have to go and 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 in three days play two sides where the first one is a side who they should really be you know be able to almost look in the mirror and recognise to a certain extent. Yeah, definitely. You know, the the game with Huddersfield at Turf Moor had kind of similarities at that earlier in the season. It was a a nil-nil draw, I think, when both sides were kind of happy with the start of the season they've had and, and just thought, let's stick another point on the total, and it, it kind of died out. But like you say, for any newly promoted side, home form is going to be what, what keeps you in the league. I think it was for Burnley last year, and it probably will be for, for Huddersfield. So it, 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 it is kind of like, say, looking in the mirror and almost the shoes on the other foot this time. It, it's kind of a different away game to what Burnley have played so far this season. All, pretty much all that away games have been against sides who finished top half last season. So this is going to be a different one, and it? it's probably going to be a bit of a battle. Huddersfield will, will, will probably try and make it a battle, which, which might suit Burnley as well. But it, it is going to be a very kind of different away game to, to what they have played. Like they've done so well at the big grounds this season, and you know winning at Everton and Southampton and Bournemouth. But I think this is going to be a completely different test, and, and it'll be an interesting one. It's certainly one based on form uh, and performances so far this season. You think Burnley can win, um, but like you say, Huddersfield are going to know that they've got to take advantage of home games like this and, and collect as many points as they can at home. So I think it could be an interesting game. That's the first game. And just on that, you know, the expectation there is that Ward's unlikely to make it. Chris Ward's touch and go uh, for that one. Uh, Tarkowski's suspended for Huddersfield. He's not suspended for Liverpool, is he? I think he's back for Liverpool. Is that right? He is back for Liverpool, yes. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's back for Liverpool. So he's just sitting the last of his three-game bans now. Um, so yeah, he's, he's back for the Liverpool game um, So it'll be Kevin Long against Huddersfield And I imagine Tarky will come straight back in He'll come straight back in Is there a, Will there be a worry for Burnley about the sort of The, the, the physical impact of and not, not really having that many options to rotate uh, You know, there's, there's Every chance that, you know, he could bring Westwood or Marnie Into centre mid, but we've just talked about You know, the impact that those two centre midfielders have had um, the, He starts Ashley Barnes Up front at Old Trafford and, you know it, it could be that if Woods touch and go for Huddersfield He finds a way to get him on the pitch against Liverpool Obviously he'll find a way to get Jonathan Walters on the pitch against Liverpool so we can score his customary goal um, against the Reds. Uh, he's got to have one a year. It's the rules. I think it's written into some sort of statute. Is there a concern with Burnley? You know, there's not a, the same number of rotation options that we you know we talk about for, for the bigger clubs. And it's always the bigger clubs' managers who get the press when they talk about the, the, the fixture congestion. And, you know, I always wondered about this, that, you know, Sean Dyche plays very physical football and, yes, he'll find a way to get Jonathan Walters on the pitch and he'll get his yearly goal against the Reds. But is there a, you know, is, is there a thing here where, you know, if, 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 if anything, if your dice, you've probably got more reason to complain about two games in three days. And do you think it will take its toll on Burnley, a tough game against Huddersfield, where they will be looking to get all three points to then have to deal with Liverpool on the first, or do you think the adrenaline will just carry them? 
I don't know really. I mean, it could have an impact, but he's whenever he's been asked about rotation over Christmas, he always kind of plays it down. He doesn't really go in for rotation. If he makes changes, it, it's kind of because he wants to change it tactically or, or due to form. He's, he's never been one for rotation, and he kind of always makes the point that, you know, it, it's two games in three games, two games in four days, but players are used to it. Players have signed up to it. They're fit anyway, and he, he's always kind of played down that concern. It just says it is what it is. We know we know the schedule, we're a fit team, and it's not a problem. He's never previously made changes over the Christmas period, and it wouldn't surprise me if he played very similar teams again. Well, well, do, you, do you think he'll make changes in the cup game then? Do you think he'll almost think, right, these are my boys to get through this, and then they might all find themselves with a week off? I think he might do, yeah. He's always made changes in cup games, both League Cup and FA Cup. So I think he might play very similar teams in these two league games and then give them a week off and, and make changes in the cup tie. Um, the fact it's two games in three days and then the second one's Liverpool is, is certainly going to be a tough act for them. But I think it, he perhaps feels that if he talks about, you know, the difficulties of it and the rotation, it kind of bleeds into a player's mindset and almost, you know, perhaps gives you an excuse. Oh yeah, it was two games in three days. That was tough. Where if you just tell them to get on with it, then that's, that's what they'll do. So I think that's the uh, approach they'll go down. Uh, so what, what, what do you think across the two games, Tyro? And obviously greater focus on the Liverpool game, but what, what are you expecting from Burnley across the two? I think they might get a win on Saturday. I think they might get a win at Huddersfield. Um, the Liverpool one will be interesting. They've, I mean, they've had some fantastic results away at the top six this season, but at home they've perhaps not been as good. Um, I mean, against Tottenham the week before Christmas was probably their poorest performance of the season, although Tottenham were very good. Um, they're a little unlucky to lose to Arsenal. So I, I think they might beat Huddersfield, but I think they might get beat by Liverpool. Although, I mean, a draw wouldn't surprise you, but I think, I think it might be one win or one defeat. Okay, uh, excellent stuff from Tyrone. Let me uh, let's get back to everybody else and see what they're making of this one. Cheers to Neil and Tyrone there for helping us out a little bit on what to expect from Burnley and back to Liverpool now. And we've we've talked a lot about resting and rotating and kind of who we'd start in certain games, but I think we need to remember as well that it's it is possible to win games from the bench and, and, and that can be an option you know thinking about the, the Stoke game where that's the one where Solanke does get his start and, and I'd maybe advocate starting Solanke in this one but the guys come off the bench and, and they're raring to go and, and they're able to put everything they can into 30 minutes rather than a tough 90 and, and maybe that's the way to present it to them you know when we're talking about Mo Salah always wanted to start maybe yeah. he went look mate you don't want to it's the first 45 minutes of Turf Moor is mad. You know what I mean? You're barely going to touch it. There'll be just big fellas barging into you all the time. Let's just wait till they're knackered and then you can come on and score loads of goals. Sounds like a plan, doesn't it? <laughs> I think that we've got to remember this is the whole reason we wanted a big squad is for things yeah. exactly like this. is so we can attack people at different times and so we've got a plan B in case plan A doesn't work. So... I think from the results we've got from rotation in general, it's easier for Klopp to get the players to buy into it. Say, yeah. look, lads, it's working. We're further along than we were last season in terms of being able to put on a real drive towards the end of the season. So as long as everyone's still fully behind him, and I assume they are, I think that that would be an easy sell for the manager. And I would expect to see Solanke start in at least one of these two games. I mean... Mo's right there, isn't he? And you touched on it before, and that we 
we, we should be better prepared than the likes of Burnley to, to kind of deal with, with this with this heavy period. Gareth said before, we've rotated more than anyone else in the league so far. So we've been almost building up to this. And then now we're in a nice position where, OK, you'd rather the, the captain was fit and probably Albi Moreno as well. But apart from that, you know, it's a, it's a pretty clean bill of bill of health. Um, Storage aside again, but we're well, well stocked in, in that area. And so it's, you, you don't... You, you don't want to moan because, because as you say, we're, we're in Liverpool and we've got to, with this really deep squad and, and we've built for this moment. Absolutely. And I suppose it, it will provide justification from the manager's point of view as well. If Liverpool are sitting here kind of, you know, after Burnley and they've beaten Leicester, they've already beaten Swansea and then they go and beat Burnley as well. Well, then he can point to that and say, actually, you know, that's why I was resting players. That's why I, I made as many changes. Yes, more than any other manager in the league, but there was a reason for that and it was building up to these two crunch games uh, in terms of making sure you kind of stay in that top four going into January. Um, but as I said before, okay, but I mentioned it, you know, in terms of you don't have to necessarily kind of win it in kind of 90 minutes in terms of, you know, playing all your best best lads from the start. I think he will look to, to kind of nick this one from the bench. So uh, if Salah starts against Leicester, then you'd almost certainly see him, you know, on the bench against uh, against Burnley and coming off with 20 minutes to go. Maybe similar for Mane. So your point before about the going back to that Tramier game in 2001, well, he plays all the English British lads. You can absolutely see a scenario where he, he's going for physicality, he's going for you know, Burnley have got, you know, he, he, he might not be back, but Chris Woods rated 50 50. He's again another big, big, powerful lad, six foot three, mm. causes problems, Neil's best mate. Uh, <laughs> you know, but again, physical threat. So Liverpool will be aware of what, what Burnley can do to you. And you know, they will play for set pieces, you know, corners, free kicks, etc. Um, so if, if you stay in the game and it's nil nil with 60, 70 minutes, then, you know, if you're Burnley and you see Mo Salah and, and Mane coming off the bench, then you're not going to fancy that, are you? Absolutely not. <laughs> Certainly not. Okay. Um... A few guys who've been everywhere watching Liverpool and Mike Nevin, John Macken and Kev Sampson. We asked them what it's like going to Burnley and what, what they're looking forward to this New Year's Day and this is what they said. So we Kev uh, Sampson and John Macken to talk about Burnley now and um, if, it feels quite, I'm not sure romantic is quite weird to ever describe Burnley, Kev, but it, it does, when I go I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm going back in time to a, to, to a kind of a simpler footballing time. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely one of those Hovis sort of grounds, yeah. isn't it? You know, the, you know, it's somewhere where you'd expect to be able to get like a, a piping hot bovril and uh, they've got their own mad hot toddy. It's hot toddy, haven't they? That um, apparently dates back to the First World War. Like jo- Johnny Mack knows the, the full story about that one, so I'm going to leave that one for him. But, um, <laughs> like he it's, does. But it's, uh, it is, it, no, it's one of, one of those grounds that, you know, still in the... Still in the town, surrounded by Terrace Street and all that. My my first time, the first season I started going away on my own, as opposed to with my dad and my uncles, was 75, 76 season. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that it's around about that time, either 75, 76, when the, I had the, a double first at Burnley away because I, I saw a... I didn't, didn't used to see that many girls at the game, you know. But I saw a, a mob of girls, a mob of Burnley fans, all like skins, you know, with those kind of mad feather cut yeah, things. That was quite popular. At the time, and yeah. um, that, that I remember that that striking me as uh, being an odd one. I think uh, it's possibly the era when um, you know they still had like that that the, the basis of a good team. Like they had Martin Dobson, they and said, yeah, Leighton James, and uh, them, didn't he? Ralph, Ralph Coates was it? You know, players players like That's that. Right. Dobson went to Everton just after that. Um, but yeah, been a, been a few times over the years, and. Um, 
you know, generally with a with a, a happy outcome. Um, a couple that spring to mind was because uh, obviously they went down and down and down, didn't they? And you know, they uh, spent a lot of time outside of the the top division. But I remember playing them in the cup in oh, I don't know, maybe early nineties. Ninety five was one. Was it? Was it that, that late? One, yeah. I, I would have thought early night. Yeah, because yeah, I, I was trying, always trying to think about it in terms of what you were wearing. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not let's not talk about the nineties when it comes to fashion. <laughs> and, uh, I, I remember it was with um, with a, a notorious tippler from Scotland Road called, called Mick Potter, who always wants one more drink, one more drink, and we'd um, been in this in this pub and it got emptier and emptier, and in the end there was a lad called Andy Mack who. Um, I've known for ages go to the game and he, he, he was going, need to get out of here, you know, it's, it's getting a bit moody. And these, <laughs> these kids come, come running in and shouted, Burnley, Burnley, Suicide Squad! To which we just burst out laughing. We just thought it was it was so funny, which clearly wasn't the reaction they were expecting. They just stopped mid-attack mid sort of thing. <laughs> but, uh, uh, we've been joined by Mike Nevin. I think he's going to join in, which is... which is it's, 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 We're talking about Burnley, Mike. Burnley? Oh, well, oh, what's your Burnley, uh, you know, move? What, like, in general, or um, wolves, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> the king of the wolves, uh, Lancastrians. But they're all right, yeah, they're, they're like, the proper wolves. So that, spe- that part of North East Lancashire, I think, is great. Yeah. It's, I, it's a really just, nice uh, drive. The, build, the buildings look completely people. different than they do down this neck of the woods. You know, they made a lot of that honey-coloured limestone that you find all over, like, Rochdale, yeah. Oldham Way. It's a, it's a really nice People listening in Scratch and Sniff, the aroma that has just come off Mike Nevin as he's walked in is <laughs> sensational. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna why why mix with aftershave? Yeah. Well, well you know, um, I've and been. He's not I, wearing any aftershave. I've been. I've been to a funeral today, so whatever show this is, I would like to de- dedicate it to my friend Bernie Fleming, who passed away uh, last week. Um, a great mate of mine. We used to be in sports wizards together, and um, he was just the greatest Evertonian of all time. So he definitely wasn't a Burnley fan. But uh, <laughs> I said to the lads that I've been, been with today, I'd dedicate whatever I said tonight to him. So oh, that's very nice. cheers, Bernie. Yeah. Cheers to that. Cheers, um, Bernie. In terms of the, well, on the ground, it feels like a place you can get a drink, John, which, yeah, which is like quite loads nice. of little pubs. Yeah. All, all seem to be selling twits, <laughs> painted twits. But you, you, as Kev said before, it's right by the city centre or the town centre, so you can walk to the railway station in a couple of five minutes, and there's pubs in the town yeah, centre. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great little place. I really like it. Yeah, I, I really like it. I've only, I don't think I've, I've got a poor record there though. I, I went to the one where. Uh, it was just after the Arsenal game recently when we won four three and we thought we were great and then we got we got B two nil and yeah. uh, uh, I think Grace yeah. Grace scores doesn't he? Yeah, uh, about ninety eight percent possession. Yeah, and then I went to the uh, the, the Jimmy Traore one as well, oh, the own Christ, goal. Yeah. Well, I went twice because he got called off, didn't it? Yeah. Um, we were already there. He yeah. got called off late, and then there's um, and then obviously the, the Traore Friday one night as well. one, wasn't it? Mm. It was a Friday night, wasn't it? It was. The original yeah. one was a Friday night. Well, yeah. 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 My first trip there was that League Cup semi final in '83. Oh, yeah. Can you believe that? They, well, the Cup they beat us that night. Um, 1 0, yeah. We, we won we, the, the we, first we like, 3 0, yeah. So 4 0, I think it was. was it, no, it was 3. Was it 3? Yeah. Right. Take it from me, John. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Mike, can you put your pants back on? <laughs> Just, who, can, who can tell us the story about that, that uh, hot toddy that sell that's got Benedictine in it? What's the story behind that? I don't know about that one. It's, it's, it's before us win my the first days. world war. It's to, it's to do with the first world war. I thought you told it me. No, That's no, why no. I was, I I was leaving it open no. for you. Maybe oh, well, some res- munitions factories up there. Get, you know, and get yourself on the. They had to close them, but uh, Burnley Benedictine. Benedictine was like a religious drink or something like that. 
I'm just, if there's anybody from Burnley, can you just uh, send us an email? Let us know. <laughs> let us know. Well, I've got people are fond of it anyway. That was that was a nice one to do. Uh, okay, thanks to the guys. And uh, back to Josh. Thanks to the boys and esteemed authors, all three of them, of course, as well, for that uh, tra- travelling cop feature on uh, what it's like to kind of watch watch Liverpool out there. Away these features, I should call it, actually. I'm getting, getting that wrong. Too much going on today, bro. It's been, it's been a hell of a stint for me, to be honest with you, when I'm used to. <laughs> I, I've just been sitting at home drinking or sitting in other people's homes drinking, and now I'm being asked to do a nine part. Uh, <laughs> got uh, greater respect for what Josh does anyway now. <laughs> oh no, sod him. <laughs> oh, okay, predictions for Burnley then before we all uh, go somewhere else. I'm, I'm going to surprise everyone. I'm not going to say the Burnley are going to win. I've learned my lesson after the last one. <laughs> but I am going to say Liverpool win 1-0. The, the, the lesser spotted 1-0. Well, we, we've done a 1-0 there in... in in years gone by, I think it was Raheem Sterling was the one that went off his back or something. Um, So, so, you know, has been known. Form's there. Uh, Ian Ryan? I'm right with Mo. 1-0 to the Reds. Gareth Roberts? 2-1 to Liverpool. Almost a full house there. uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fine. Liverpool by a goal does seem the most likely. Um, Listen, huge thanks to to everyone who's took part in this uh, ridiculously long show. Uh, Pete Selby, who spoke to us from For Fox Sake podcast about Leicester. Um, Tyrone Marshall, who spoke to us about Burnley. Um, Is this on the travelling cop? But (laughs) Sammo Mackin and Evan, who did away days for us. And of course, the guys in the studio as well. Most Stuart, Ian Ryan and Gareth Roberts for talking us through both those games. As we say it's normally um, on tour player this show it's normally much pre- better presented uh, by Josh Sexton th- than it is by me who's bumbled all over it like an, uh, like a Christmas alcoholic but um, <laughs> if you do enjoy if you have enjoyed it and we think it's the best time to, to subscribe to tour player at the moment to five pounds a month we, we preview every game we review every game both um ex- straight after the match in terms of your, your, your general fan um, enthusiasm or, or rants if it's gone badly and then we're looking into, into it in more detail as well we we talk to fans from all over the country all over Europe when we're, when we're playing um, in the Champions League as well and we'll be doing loads and loads and loads of shows on the transfer, January transfer window where we're ho- all hoping to get one or two more players in there as well so great time to subscribe to the Anfield Wrap just £5 a month uh, you won't regret it and the minimum sign up is only one month was that alright Gareth? That's our mate, you covered everything there. Well done, well done, lad. <laughs> Fantastic. But in the meantime, yeah, enjoy your new year, enjoy all your football out there. We'll see you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.